good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter what time you may be listening to another day in our daily devotional podcast here at Eden Chapel. I'm Sam Mitchell, and we are very excited to be continuing in God's Word together. Today we are going to be in Numbers chapters 28 through 29, and once again we get a bunch of ways of God laying out how we are to come to Him, laying out the offerings, and it is a ton uh, that Israel had to do just to uh, be able to come to God. And so what, a, what an amazing thing, once again, as we look to our ultimate fulfillment and the ultimate sacrifice that is Jesus Christ, that we see what he did was once and for all, that it satisfied, fully satisfied the wrath of God. And we look to that and find so much thankfulness, so much grace, so much redemption in him. And uh, so I pray as you read that today that, That was a huge takeaway for you. And so we see in these first two chapters, literally, if you just read the headings, we see the daily offering, the Sabbath offering, the monthly offering, the Passover offerings, the offering on the Feast of Weeks, the offering for the Feast of Trumpets, the offering for the Day of Atonement, the offering for the Feast of Booths. And so we see just time and time again, these feasts that are mentioned, but ultimately we See at the end of chapter 29, it says, So Moses, Moses, not Moses, so Moses told the people of Israel everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so we see this once again, Israel walking in. Uh, we know a lot of times they don't, but and Moses, particularly, walking in exactly what God had commanded of him to do. And so it gets a little crazy because God is instructing his people how to worship him. Uh, and like we said, pointing to Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. And so we see for Israel to obey what God had commanded in Numbers 28 and 29, it meant that every year, I love these stats that we get, the priest sacrificed on 1,086 lambs, 113 bulls, 32 rams, more than a ton of flour, and some 1,000 bottles of oil and wine on behalf of the nation of Israel. So we see just how much was going into the worship of God and the offerings to God. And we see in all this that the most prominent animal of the sacrifice was this lamb. And this is an obvious reference and obvious point to Jesus Christ, who is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist puts it in John 1. And so we see this just ultimate point to Jesus that we have to just absolutely love. And all this sacrifice did not include the sacrifices made by individuals or households. The priests and the Levites were clearly doing a lot of the job of sacrificial uh, offerings, and it was fulfilled uh, quite a bit and considerable expense, as we just read on all those stats. It It's... Uh, in blue letter, in the blue letter Bible, it says, you know, in the days of Jesus, there is a record of two hundred and fifty-five thousand six hundred Passover lambs being sacrificed at one Passover, just by individuals and households. And so, we see how crazy this was, but we also see that significantly, as David Guzik puts it, none of it was enough. Not one of these hundreds of thousands of sacrifices over the centuries could ever take away a person's sin that had to wait. They had to wait on the perfect and ultimate sacrifice that was offered in the sacrifice of Jesus. And so what what a point 
to our Savior, Jesus Christ. What a, what a thankfulness and fulfillment we get in Him. And so we then get into uh, these oaths and these vows and men's and their vows and women and their vows and everything that we see here. And so uh, we, we see this uh, wording here that he shall not break his word and referring to the man, that if a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself to some agreement, he shall not break his word. And so we see that this, a vow or an oath before God, a promise to God is not a small thing. God is commanding us to keep and to fulfill those oaths. You know, we see today how simple it is to break a promise or an oath. It's, you know, it's just standard. It happens literally all the time. And what we see here is it's simply sin. And so we can also look to uh, New Testament and other things that, you know, oaths are an important thing. You know, some people decide to say that uh, Jesus is actually not for oaths and they take James 5 and say, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Uh, but in the context of the rest of scripture, we see that Jesus was not forbidding oath as much as telling us that we should be so filled with the integrity in our words that an oath is unnecessary and like that we've done business with people in such a good and gracious way that an oath and a promise should not even be necessary for us. It should just be second nature that our yes is yes and our no is no. And so um, we see this command that when we swear an oath, it's a pledge that we're binding ourselves to that. But then scripture points us to women and their vows. And we, we see in verse 10, it says, and if she vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by a pledge with an oath and her husband heard of it and said nothing to her and did not oppose her, then all her vows shall stand and every pledge by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband makes them null and void on the day that he hears them, then whatever proceeds out of her lips concerning her vow or concerning her pledge of herself shall not stand. Her husband has made them void and the Lord will forgive her. And so we we see this kind of picture back to men being uh, the head of the household. And this is not diminishing women in any way, but it ultimately points us to this picture in marriage where things like this should be discussed. You know, a woman should not be going behind her husband's back, making an oath or something like that. But if the husband confirmed his wife's vow or either specifically by saying it or in silence, then he was responsible now to make sure the vow was fulfilled. So we see this picture back to the garden. If oh, Eve was to sin, obviously Adam was present, then what it, what does it tell us here that he kind of, bear, as we read today, that he shall bear her guilt and he shall bear her iniquity means that he will suffer for the broken vow as though it were his. And so we see that picture to men should be leading their wives well in the sense that if they are to enter into an oath that is not good, then he should speak up on her behalf. And in the same way, if it is good, then he supports that and he you know, makes it his own as well. And if it is against something, then he bears that guilt. It is the outward working of the principle of headship. When God declares someone to be in a position of authority, um, and, then, and others are expected to submit to that authority, like in marriage, when he gives men the authority to lead their wives well, and women are expected to submit to that authority, the head, the husband, is accountable before God for that result. And so, man, what a, what a thing to really point us to in the 
of marriage, how serious it is for the husband and the head of that household. You know, once again, love what David Gazik says, God never grants authority without accountability. When this is understood, it makes submission that much easier. The husband is not just saying, well, I'll come beside her when I want to and I won't when I don't want to. No, it's he is accountable before God for his wife's actions. What a what a beautiful thing that that is pointing to uh, pointing us to that men are to rightfully lead their wives into righteousness. I hope today has been encouraging to you, man. What a what a picture and pointing to Jesus we got from today. I want to end our time in prayer and just thankfulness towards God for his graciousness to us in Christ Jesus, but also in praying for men and for their wives as we look to be men of our words and as we look to be men that would lead their wives well and we look to be wives that would ultimately come by and support their husbands and trust in the leadership that God has given to him. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for all that you have given us. We thank you for your graciousness to us in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray as husbands, we would look to you, that we would ultimately submit to your authority in all things. Lord, that we would be men of our word. Our yes would be yes and our no would be no. But when we enter into oaths, we would fulfill those oaths. We would do as we said we would do. Lord, I pray for the wives, Lord, I pray that ultimately we would see that in submitting to our husband is submitting to God's authority, trusting that he is leading them ever closer to you, Lord. And so we pray that you would give us strength to be men and women who are after your own heart and that we would lead ultimately to you. It's in your name that we pray, amen.